just let you get over to your seat. It's not a problem. <laughs> if you are glad to be in church tonight, would you say amen? amen? I'm glad you're here. I know there's a lot of sickness and you know, the, the, the preacher always feels bad when the Sunday night crowd's not as big as the Sunday morning crowd because he kind of feels like he did terrible. But I know I didn't do terrible, so it must be some other problem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm glad you're here and the Lord is going to help us tonight. Amen? Amen? I hope we never come to church, but what we're expecting God to do something. Amen. Because like I said this morning, he always shows up on purpose. Every service. It shows up on purpose. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you that we can be in your house again tonight. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is moving among us and talking to our hearts. And oh, God, we long for the day when every one of us will be completely obedient to you. Lord, tonight might be the night when someone settles it to do everything you want them to do. I pray, Lord, you'd help each one of us to listen for your still, small voice and be obedient to your voice tonight. So, Jesus, have your perfect will and way in this service and minister to our hearts and meet our needs tonight, I pray for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, Amen. 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 I want you to take your Sing to the Lord songbook and turn to song number 427. I want us to sing a song we, we haven't sung in a while. It's a great song. Song number 427. Let's sing it together. I wonder in the shades of night till Jesus came to me And with the sunlight of his love did all my darkness flee Sunlight, sunlight
beautiful song, but a good song. I hope this is the testimony of your heart tonight. Song number 399. I remember when the Lord spoke to my soul. I could feel the
lovely song. Each and every verse speaks to my heart. Yes. Amen. Amen. I remember when the Lord spoke to my soul. Yes. Just what the preacher preached this morning when God knocked on our heart's door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen. And if you hear my voice, I'm glad he does speak. Do you remember when he spoke to your heart? Yes. Amen. And I no longer walk the ways of sinfulness. Thank God he can deliver us from sin. We don't have to live in sin every day. Yes. Thought, word, and deed. Hallelujah. You remember. <laughs> Amen. And I will choose the holy joys that will last. Amen. Some of you have been serving the Lord for over five minutes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Forty years. They've still got the joy of the Lord. It's our strength. Praise God. And then others may deny the Lord and live in sin. But the race that I've entered in, I've got to win. Amen. 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 I'm glad that, that I, it's in my DNA that I don't want to lose. Never like to lose. Matter of fact, my dad had to teach me how to lose. We were playing pool down the basement. I was about five or six years old, and, and he beat me in eight ball uh, one time, two times, three times. And I tried to leave, and he said, no, you can play again. And I, I, was, I was crying. He said, and rack him up. <laughs> Rag him up, and he beat, he had no mercy on me. <laughs> Amen. Trying to teach me, I never became a good loser. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. And that's helped me in my spiritual race. Amen. When temptations come, I'm going to win this battle by the grace of God and for the glory of God. <laughs> Amen. We do have a lot of people that are out. You know who the one next to you that's not here? Would you pray for them tonight? Amen. Amen. So we'll guarantee you we're praying for all those that are not here. So you remember the ones that are supposed to be by you, in front of you, behind you, behind you. And uh, let's pray for this service that God would continue to bless and minister. Amen. Any other special requests? Brother Toms, you mentioned a lady that was here this morning. Amanda. Amanda. Let's remember her in our prayers. Bill Marshall. Amen. Amen. Brother Bennett's going in for rehab. <laughs> My niece Ashlyn that's been in Johnson County jail uh, because of her choices of doing drugs and they keep postponing like these court dates and so she's been in there since uh, November and I just praise God that that's where she's at because she's not on the streets and doing the drugs and so I know the longer that she stays in there my sister said uh, that she has a peace because she She's getting sober and sober. And so they're talking about maybe sending her to rehab for a year. I pray that God puts Amen. her in a rehab that is Christ-like, that Amen. will lead her to God through this recovery. Amen. Amen. Let's remember this special request. Church. Brother Hall, would you please come up here and lead us in prayer? We appreciate Brother and Sister Hall. Amen. He can be honored at times, but he knows how to pray. Brother <laughs> Paige is really sick as well. Amen. And others that have the flu yes. very, very badly. And we need to pray for them. Jill has the flu and is sick. And so let's let's pray. That Especially God with revival coming up. Right. God would touch and help those that are sick to get well. There'll be revival this coming Friday night. Wednesday night prayer, but hey, let's pray for revival as well. Amen. Brother Hall, lead us in prayer. Let's bow our hearts. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful we come to meet with you again tonight. We know that you're already here to 
bless our hearts and move on our spirits and stir our minds to the deep things of your love and grace and mercy. Father, we ask that you would ever to settle down in this hour tonight. Move upon every one of our hearts, O oh God, and help us, O oh Lord, to open wide open to your spirit and voice and, and goodness tonight. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would ever reach down to every request that's out there tonight, O oh God, and we pray somehow, Lord, that you touch those that would like to be here tonight. But, O oh Lord, because of sickness or other reasons, are not able to be here tonight. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would ever comfort and touch their bodies and soul and spirit tonight. We ask that you would ever touch your servant one more time. Anoint him afresh and anew tonight with the ever word of God and ever power of God. We pray tonight, O oh God, let your name be glorified in all things in this service tonight. We ask, we ask that you would help us as a people of God that we pray, we pray our hearts for revival spirit, O oh Lord, upcoming this weekend, dear Lord. Oh God, we pray that you'll have to touch Brother Settler as he comes our way, anointing him, oppressing you with the ever power and ever glory of God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Settle down among us, O oh Lord, and take charge in this hour tonight. May your name be glorified in all things. What you do will I be praising, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, the world can't give you peace. Amen. Distress. <laughs> and a lot of heartache and hurt and sorrow, but my Father in heaven can give you peace. Amen. And I love that peace that he gives. The past is understanding. You can't even hardly explain it. He's just, he's just that wonderful. If you have your bulletins, we the announcements. February 18th, 715 Cottage Prairie, Bennett's House. And focusing on the upcoming Youth Revival, we appreciate that. And the Youth Revival is the 21st to the 23rd at 7.30. 7.30 here each night. Brother Stafford and Paul. And uh, I, uh, I know that some, many of you cannot go to the Cottage Prayer meeting. <clears throat> we are we're praying for our youth. We're doing this Youth Revival for our youth. And I would like you to participate a little bit more in that. Would you join with me? How many of you will raise your hand with me and say you're making a special effort to just pray for the youth revival? Amen. Alright? I appreciate those hands. Thank you. We're going to not just rely on the cottage prayer meeting. They'll do their part, but we're going to do our part. Amen? Amen. And let's pray for this, this youth revival. Let the Lord help our youth and get them established and get them rooted and grounded in His love. Amen? And then the 22nd, the Sisters of Strength have a brunch hosted by Sister Bennett, a pitch-in. I, I wish I was, I like pitching in, didn't it, Sister Bennett? All right, it's just for the ladies. And uh, this time we're going to have a special number by the choir. Yesterday's 
great song. Amen. I think it's probably been, I know it's been over 30 years since I've heard that song. Thank you, Trina. That, that's, a, that's a wonderful, wonderful song. I appreciate you singing that tonight. I have a sign-up sheet um, for the pitch-in dinner for the youth for next Sunday. And um, Roger and Donna are going to provide a chicken casserole and honey-baked ham and mashed potatoes and green beans and corn and popcorn and popcorn and popcorn and popcorn. <laughs> and they need our help with salad and chips and dessert and dinner rolls. And so if you can help at the end of the service, we'll have this back at the welcome station. And if you could help with any of those, uh, we would appreciate your help very, very much. Um, also, I, I, uh, I, I, I thank God for the uh, emphasis that I'm hearing uh, tonight on, on praying for our young people for youth revival. And um, I know that the, the, the cottage prayer meeting Tuesday night is going to be uh, focused on, um, on youth revival as well. I want to do, do the same for prayer meeting. We'll, uh, we'll still have songs and testimonies, but when we gather to pray, I want us to pray especially for the young people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write a young person's name down on a piece of paper. Would you do that for me? And uh, when we come up to pray, I want you to be prepared to hand that name to someone. And uh, we're going to pray over as many names as we possibly can. Would you do that for me Wednesday night? So I hope that you'll plan to be here. And let's come expecting the Lord to help us as we pray. And I just believe, I, listen, I know, I know it's been six years since, um, since we had youth revival here at Independent Nazarene. And I know that, we're, that we're, we're just kind of getting our feet wet again. I know that. But I do believe it's extremely important that we do so, brothers Amen. and sisters. Amen. And so I'm not, my expectations are not super high. I don't... Um, you don't think we're going to pack the place out every night, but I am expecting the Lord to help us. Amen. And I'm, I'm believing God Amen. that some young person is going to kneel at the altar and pray clear through. Amen. And uh, that's my heart's burden. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the interest that you're showing in youth revival. And uh, I'm trusting God to help Paul and to help us. And, and uh, I just... Uh, I just believe the Lord's going to help us. Paul uh, 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 will fly in uh, Friday. And, and Ron, I hope you don't mind me giving you a shout out that um, uh, he was going to rent a, Paul was going to rent a car. And uh, he's going to stay with Tim and Julia, his sister and brother-in-law that now live in Anderson. And, and Rod said, no, I've got an Escalade sitting in my garage. He can use that. So, uh I'm thinking about going in the evangelistic field myself. <laughs> I will tell you this funny story uh, before I preach. Uh, some of you know that we have a couple men in the church that have Corvettes, and Rod's one of them, and his is very nice. One night afternoon, we were together and went to a restaurant. When we came out, he threw me the keys, and he said, you're driving, and, and I... And I was very tempted to be very bad at that moment. And I looked over at him and I said, you're going to get me arrested. He said, it's going to be all over the front page of the <laughs> But when Brother Cravens was here in Revival, uh, he wanted to try to, to drive it. And 
Corvettes are not real big, right? <laughs> and dear precious brother Rod happened to be videoing with his phone while poor Chris Cravens was trying to figure out how to get into that Corvette. And let me tell you what that dear rascal, not Rod, what Chris Cravens did to me. He sent that video clip to me, and I was dying to share it with the world. I told Chris, I'm going to share it with only a thousand of my closest friends. I didn't. He didn't want me to. I honored his, uh, his, uh, his uh, kindnesses to me and said, I'm not going to share it. A couple days later, he posted a picture on Facebook of that quartet that we put together the last night of Revival. Remember that quartet? where the tenor didn't have a voice at all and dear brother Roger felt inspired to sing the chorus of Somebody Touched Me a Hundred Times and I couldn't sing. Anyway, that was kind of a joke, but kind of true. Um, so he posted a picture of us and wrote this note and said, boy, it'd have been nice if we'd had a tenor. <laughs> and I just posted underneath that, I have a video clip that I have been dying to share with a whole bunch of people. And dear brother Chris Cravens went, I take it all back. <laughs> now I will hang on to it for blackmail, but I, uh, hopefully I'll never have to use it. Speaking of Chris Cravens, March the 15th, we will have installation service here at Independent Nazarene. And he's going to come and, and speak to us and conduct that service. He's a church leader, and uh, I wanted a church leader to do that. And, uh, you people seem to like him and I like him and the Lord has used him in revival here. So um, uh, I hope that you'll plan to be here and invite a friend. Uh, I'm trusting the Lord to give us a good crowd. And I, I'm praying that that day will be a, just a special day for, for all of us. I've been preaching to you about the characteristics of a New Testament church. And I will just confess to you that my message tonight will be extremely simplistic. But having said that, I do hope to remind us of some very important uh, things that, that every once in a while I feel like we need to be reminded of. And so I'd like for you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And uh, while you're turning, I just want to say... Um, it's good to see all of you here again tonight. I, I need to give a shout out to a couple people. I really, 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 really like it when Curtis and Betsy, see, I'm not gonna say Betsy Poe's boyfriend or fiance anymore. Uh, you know, you finally have earned your name, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I really love it when you all come to church and I just want to give you a public shout out. I'm and I'm very happy that Sister Russell got to be here both yeah. services today. Yeah. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. And I'm glad that Josh is here tonight. And they've got sickness in their house. And I don't want it. And, uh, and I'm glad that Miles could be here as well. Uh, hi, Miles. How you doing, buddy? I'm glad you're here. Uh, but we do need to pray for Avery. He's really, really sick. And I know that, that he and Trish would much rather be in the Lord's house. And everybody else that's fighting the bug, it's a bad bug. Uh, and I know I jokingly told Jill when Lee called me yesterday and said, you know, she has a stomach flu. And I said, well, tell her to get to feel better. But Mark Lowry would say, throw up and you'll feel better and come to church. But, uh, <laughs> but Amy went, no, we don't want that. Um, but let's do pray for these people that are, that are sick, that God will touch them. If I could say anything positive about the sickness, I'd say this. Thank God it's this weekend and not next weekend. Mm -hmm. 
Amen. Amen. You know, in everything give thanks, right? He didn't say for everything give thanks. He said in everything give thanks. So thank the Lord. People are going to get the bug. It's right now. Hopefully by next weekend, the bug will be gone. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. If you have found it, please say amen. Amen. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I want to add one verse to all of this. Just one phrase. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The next characteristic that I'd like to talk to you about, about a New Testament church, is that God would help us be a visionary church. Amen. I'm going to put myself in the category of the young men shall see visions. But your old men, your old men dreaming dreams falls right along the same line. Do you know what it really means? It means that if we're going to be a spirit-filled church, it means that we refuse to accept the status quo. And we refuse to just accept things as they are. Without believing that God can do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. For that to be accomplished takes vision. Doesn't happen accidentally. It happens on purpose. Because people, by the grace and help of God, choose to dream and believe and see much bigger than their current surroundings. But having said that, there are four things that I want to talk to you about tonight that I believe we need a renewed vision of. I'm not here to suggest that that you've never seen what I'm going to talk to you about, but I am going to suggest 
that there are some things that we do not discuss, talk about, emphasize nearly as much as we should. And I want God to not only give us new vision, I want God to give us refreshed vision. Someone posted an article on Facebook that I, that I wish I would have shared. The, the title, uh, well, I, I didn't know what to think when I read the title. The title was, Reasons I Did Not Become a Christian. And so I didn't know what, I didn't know where the, the author was going. I thought it was some disillusioned, mad person just talking about, you know, why they never got saved. That wasn't the point of the article at all. It was really, uh, an, an oxymoron is not the right term, but he was given all of the reasons why he didn't become a Christian, but explaining the reasons why he did. Here's one of the things he said. I didn't become a Christian because I was part of a flashy church that looked like a nightclub. That's not why I became a Christian. In fact, he said my church was a very humble church. Amen. He said it was a small Baptist church. He said, in fact, one of the memories I have was how it smelled. And when I walked into that church and it had that old churchy smell, it brought back good memories for me. Because he said, even though that church wasn't beautiful and didn't have state-of-the-art, brand-new technology, he said, when we came together to have church, we had church. And he said, that's where I met Jesus. And he changed my life. And he just went down the list of the reasons why he didn't become a Christian. And every one of them had to do with something that modern world would say has to happen in order for somebody to become a Christian. And I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the quicker we can get back to the basics, the better off we'll be. John, that makes you an old soul. I'm not trying to be an old soul. I just know what God's Word says. I just know what the Holy Spirit can do. I just know what God can do with people if they'll just do what this book says to do. And so I'm visionary. I like new things. I like new ideas. I'm prone to try something new ever continually. I will drive you crazy with that, I'm sure. Thank the Lord you hired me for two years because you would have fired me after one. Oh, that's a joke. Man, that's a joke. But at the same time, I want to be reminded every once in a while with a fresh vision of things that I have been taught my entire life that I still believe tonight just as much as I did 50 years ago when God first saved my family. So let me start with this one. I would to God that he would give us a fresh vision of heaven. We sing about heaven quite a bit. I'm glad we do. 
I want to be reminded that heaven is the resting place of God's saints. I want to remind you that we are all called to be saints. And can I just share with you, I am so incredibly grateful that God has blessed us with people like, like, a, like, like Sister Shirley and Sister Ruby. And, some, and I'm going to skip somebody and I don't want to, so I'll stop there. But uh, some senior saints that are prayer warriors. Sister Russell told me this week on the phone. She said, if I'm not at church, you can rest assured that I'm sitting in my house and I'm praying and I'm begging God to help you. And I thank God for that. I don't know what we do without those senior saints. But oh God, give us some junior saints. Give us some middle-aged saints. Give us some young saints. Give us some young people that settle it to go with God. And when they do, they become a saint at 15 and 20 and 30. Why do we think that you have to be 70 or 80 to become a saint? No, God can make you a saint even in your young years. But heaven is a place we all long for. We should. It is the resting place of God's saints. It is the home of the righteous. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Heaven is not only the resting place of God's saints and the home of the righteous, but it is God's reward. Not everybody's going to go to heaven, brothers and sisters. My dad would, you know, my, my dad is an old soul of, a, of an old generation. He would, to this day, say things from the pulpit that I would never even attempt to say. But, but let me try to culturalize or refine something that he would say. You would rarely go to a funeral. Maybe you've never gone to a funeral where the preacher would point blank say, this person's in a bad place. Well, Don, no preacher should do that. We're not the righteous judge. You're right. But neither am I the judge to, pre to preach them into heaven. All right, it's, a bit, it's interesting how we, you know, well, you're not the judge. You, you, don't, you don't know that they're there. No, but I don't know that they're there either. And have you noticed that, that, that it doesn't matter who the person is or what they've done. We have just embraced um, the philosophy that once they die, they're at peace. Haven't we? Let's be honest. We've just embraced the philosophy that everybody's going to go to heaven. No, brothers and sisters, it's not the case. Only the pure in heart are going to see God. Right. <laughs> Only the blood-bought are going to make it to heaven. Amen. Only those who have turned their lives over to Jesus and repented of their sins deserve that reward. Amen. They're the only ones. They're the only ones. That's why the funeral of a saint is such a time of rejoicing and celebration because we've finally fought the fight and won the war and made it safely to the other side. And while we're headed out to the cemetery, we do it with broken hearts. Yet at the same time, we're saying, hallelujah, they have finally made it safely in. And we take a moment to rejoice about a place called heaven that one day by God's grace, every one of us will be faithful and true. 
just think every once in a while we just need to have a fresh vision of a place called heaven. When I was reviewing my notes, I couldn't help but think of that little cemetery in Walton, Indiana that I've told you about where my granny and grandpa lie resting beneath the sod. And I can't help but think about the fact that when there's not a doubt in my mind because I knew what God had done for them and I knew how God had changed them and I knew how He had revolutionized their hearts when I got the news that they passed away. I wasn't grieving that I'd never see them again. I knew that one day by God's grace I would meet them in a place called heaven. Amen. Yeah, that's right. God has audibly talked to me twice in my life. You may think I'm crazy and think I need medicated after I tell you this. The first was when he called me to preach. As a young boy kneeling at a chair, a, 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 a folding chair in that Catholic hall in Greensburg, Indiana, where we were worshiping at the time before the, the church could be built. God called me to preach. He spoke to me. The second time he spoke to me was when my grandpa Huffman passed away. At the young age of 62 years old. And my grandpa had struggled. He'd been up and down. You know this, Ronnie and Vernon. Had a cigarette habit that he couldn't get rid of. And just tried and tried and up and down. But God began to help him. And he began to faithfully come to church. And would hit the altar and pray. And was minding God. Went in for a heart surgery. And told my dad, I don't feel good about this. And, but he said, I know I'm ready to go. And sure enough, that heart surgery didn't go well. And he died. And brothers and sisters, I'll never forget. Standing there in his casket. I was 19. I was a freshman in college. I patted my grandpa and I said goodbye to him. But when I turned and walked down that middle aisle. God spoke to me the same voice that spoke to me when he called me to preach. And God spoke to me and said, if you'll be faithful to me, I promise you, you'll see your grandpa again. You see, brothers and sisters, we should never lose sight of a place called heaven. We should never lose sight of a glorious home that God is preparing for those that love him. We should never lose sight of the fact that one of these days we'll shed these earthly bonds and we'll go to a wonderful place where we'll live forever. God, give us a fresh vision of heaven. But God, give us a fresh vision of hell. I don't like to talk about it. A Westland church closed in Union City, Indiana. There were a few people left in that church that wanted to be part of our church. The old organist in that church was not able to come to church anymore, but I got a phone call and they said, Pastor, would you go see this lady and, and her husband? And they told me, she's a Christian, but he's not. I went to their house. He was not real happy to see me. I went in the kitchen, introduced myself. She had an organ sitting there in her living room. And I said, can you still play the organ? She said, I, I think I can. I said, well, if you'll play, I'll sing. So she started playing the organ and I began to sing. That dear lady. Pretty soon her husband came in out of the kitchen. And he sat there in the living room. 
And his face softens somewhat. There's something about music that will move the hearts of people. His face softened somewhat. And he sat there and listened. I realized that maybe, just maybe, I was earning his trust a little bit. I prayed with him. I would go visit with him occasionally. And he went downhill physically very quickly. And I will never forget, brothers and sisters, the day I got a phone call that he was there at the house, but on a hospice bed and he didn't have long to live. I raced to their house and said, I want to pray with you. And, and the man was in the throes of death. And he really didn't want me to pray. But he said, I don't care. If you want to pray, go ahead and pray. I started praying, y'all. I started trying to plead the blood. But I have to be honest. It was the most horrid time of prayer I'd ever had in my life. And I was just a young pastor. And I knew this man was slipping into eternity. And I began to plead the blood and pray, but I felt like my prayers were literally bouncing off the ceiling. And the longer I prayed, the drier my mouth became to where I couldn't hardly pray. And I finally stopped praying, and I left. And that night he slipped into eternity. And I can't tell you where he is. But I can only tell you what I felt and sensed as I was trying to help save that man's soul from a devil's hell. We don't take it near as seriously as we used to, do we, brothers and sisters? We got mad at preachers that would hellfire and brimstone us and well, you're just scaring me to the altar. Brothers and sisters, Holy Scripture is clear that it's the fear of God that causes us to persuade man. And if there's not an element of fear, then something's wrong because there are moments when you should be very afraid of where you're headed. Why do we embrace a psychological approach to the gospel that doesn't include the fear of, that doesn't include the fear of condemnation? Brothers and sisters, if we don't get right with God, we're all going to go to hell. And that should scare us to death. Instead, when the H.E. Darnells and the Marshall Smarts of the world passed away, some no doubt were relieved that we didn't have to hear that again. But oh, my heart's hungry for the last night of a revival or the last night of a camp meeting service where the evangelist preaches on hell and preaches on the judgment and suddenly there's a sobriety that covers the whole place and every person in there from saint to sinner is searching their hearts to make sure they're ready to go. Instead, a lot of guys close revivals and then when you ask, well, how did it go? Well, we had a good, encouraging time. Well, did anybody get saved? No, but we got encouraged. No, brothers and sisters, there's a heaven to gain. But there's a hell to shun. And we need to be reminded 
that Jesus told a terrible story about. There was a certain rich man that was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at the rich man's gate. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. God, give us a fresh vision of hell. Remind us that hell is real. Remind us that it is a resting place of those who reject Christ and his gospel. Remind us that hell is for those who refuse to walk in the light. Remind us that hell is for those who procrastinate their day of grace. There will be good people who will go to hell. There will be good people who will lose their souls because they never took heaven and hell seriously. Because they never took church seriously. Because they never took the gospel seriously. They were great citizens. They'll have a bio. They'll have an obituary that would stretch for miles. But they never took a moment to make sure their soul was ready to go to heaven. And brothers and sisters, we really, really, really need God to give us a fresh vision of hell. Don, I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. Look, I'm, I, I, I can't apologize. I'm sorry you don't like hearing it, but I can't apologize because one of these days I'll stand at the judgment bar and I'll give it a cap for every time I stood behind a sacred desk and would to God I'd be faithful to tell the truth. And if you were going to be lost, you'd want somebody to stand there and wave a flag of warning in your face. A fresh vision. Listen, we'll look at sinners differently if you'll give us a fresh vision of hell. <laughs> we'll look at our loved ones differently if you'll give us a fresh vision of hell. We'll sense an urgency. You know, that's why revival is important. Well, no, it's, it's only important, Don, because you want to pad the pews and you want numbers. No, it's important because young people are going to go to hell if we don't pray them through. It's important because young people are eventually going to walk out of here and they're never going to come back if we don't see them deal with an honor prayer and pray through. And one of these days they'll be old and jaded and bitter at the gospel and they'll be on their deathbed and there won't be anybody to pray them through if you and I don't get urgent about hell. Amen. God, give us a fresh vision of hell. Thirdly, God, give us a fresh vision of holiness. Yeah, you've been harping on them a little bit, Don. I know I have. But brothers and sisters, more than anything else, we need a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit, not just in our midst, but in our hearts. Now, I'm going to talk to all of us for a minute. We've gone through a rough time. It hadn't been fun. We've all, if we were really honest, we've all probably said things we didn't have to say. You with me? We're human. We get in the thick of things and we roll up the sleeves and, you know, it's, it's difficult to remember that a that a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And none of us, none of us have come through this unscathed. 
None of us. We all share pain. Don't we? We all struggle. We all see people that used to be a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord that now looks at us like a mule looking at a new gate. Right? And it hurts. And we're as confused as the day is long about why. We don't fully understand everything, but, but in the heat of the battle, it's easy for all of us to say things that we did not have to say. I think we're almost through it. I really do. And God has royally helped us in ways that I would have never thought possible. I told you again and again that he's going to have a church here with or without us. And he's proving that. But he's even shocking me. It's amazing what he's doing. And I think we're almost safely to the other side. But here's the truth. We've all said things we didn't have to say. Do you know what we all need? We all need a fresh, brand new infilling of the Holy Spirit. We all do. We all need a fresh baptism. Don, you're telling me I'm not sanctified. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. I, you, you don't have to go far from Acts chapter 2 before you get to Acts chapter 4. And we find the people that God had filled with His fullness in Acts chapter 2 back in an upper room, pouring their hearts out to God, saying, God, they're fighting us. They're threatening us. We need you. And what did God do? He poured the Holy Spirit out on them fresh and new. And I'm just telling you that we all need, you need it, I need it, I'm praying for it. We all need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And for those among us who have never testified to a second definite work of grace, let me just encourage you. It is not in any way, shape, or form to diminish the work of salvation. It is glorious when God saves you. But brothers and sisters, please know this. You will cheat yourself spiritually if you do not go on to holiness. And the very God that saved you is the very God that wants to sanctify you holy and burn out in bread sin and fill you with His fullness. Amen. And fill you with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is God's call. Holiness is God's cure for sin. But wait a minute. When I get saved, my sins are covered. Absolutely they are. But when you get sanctified holy, your sin nature is cleansed. Amen. And there is a difference between covering and cleansing. And we need both brothers and sisters. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Holy means through and through. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And way too much we've downplayed. And it's not that important. It is important. It's extremely important. God, give us a fresh vision of holiness. Here's my fourth and final, very simple point tonight. God, give us a fresh vision of happiness. I know some people who profess religion that 
they make me a little nervous because they aren't happy unless they're sad. You know anybody like that? Yes, sir. They're not happy unless they're sad. They're not happy. Why is it that, that it's the bad news that we want more than the good news? You, you know, if, 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 uh, if the press uh, started just announcing good news, we're pleased to report that Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so had a brand new baby this morning, six pounds, seven ounces. The baby's healthy. Mother's doing fine. We're pleased to report that Mr. So-and-so got a good report from the doctor and his cancer's either in remission or it's gone. You don't hear anything like that. Instead, you know, what attack, attracts our attention is, well, they had the baby, but the baby died. Well, Mr. So-and-so's cancer's about to take him out. I could go on and on of bad news that we hear all the time. You don't hear the media talking about how incredible the economy is right now. It's incredible right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I'm not going to get political, but I sure want to. I'm a senior pastor now. Not fun at all. You don't hear But if the jobs report came out uh, this uh, Thursday, Thursday, the, you know, the job, weekly jobless claims come out. If that number came out and it was super, super bad, it'd be all over the news. If it was super, super good, CNBC might mention it, Fox would talk a lot about it, but that, that's it. But if it was bad, we'd have every analyst in the world on, oh no, what's happening? Uh-oh, here we go. There's just something about human nature that feeds on negativity. There's something about human nature that feeds on the latest gossip. Not the latest piece of good news. Not the latest, did you hear? They're engaged. They're about to be married. Hallelujah. Things are wonderful. We don't feed on stuff like that. Did you hear about so-and-so? He left his wife. Did you hear about this one? That would happen. And somehow those stories are the one that gain all the traction. Now I hope you say amen on this point because I'll preach for two hours right here. No, I'm not going to. But it bothers me how we feast on negativity. We feast on bad news. We feast on everything bad that everybody's saying about everybody else. I've learned more junk about me in the three months that I ever knew. I really didn't know I was that bad of a guy. I got depressed about me. We feast on that stuff. Now be honest, brothers and sisters, it perks our attention much more than good news does. Doesn't it? And we can't wait to pick up the phone and share it. You tell me what's happy about that. Oh God, give us a fresh vision of happiness. Make us a happy people. Make us happy in living. He that knoweth the law, happy is he. Jesus is the joy of living. Make us happy in loving. Oh, but it's such a sacrifice to love someone. Does it have to be? I got roses for Sister Bates for Valentine's Day. I was really excited. I walked in the door with the roses, and I unfortunately encouraged maybe... Some other children, you kind of with me now? Because they're starting to listen to what I say, and so I'm talking in code at the moment, so I hope everybody's turned in. 
Right, okay, you with me? So I encourage someone else to come over and look at what I got. Mommy, did you get us anything? <laughs> well, uh, it's Valentine's Day. Your mother's my Valentine. I want a Valentine card. I'll remember next year. Sometimes we think loving is just all sacrifice. I'm just coming to church because, you know, I'm trying to be faithful. God, can, can God do any better than that, brothers and sisters? Amen. Can I walk into church happy? Amen. That God's helping me. Amen. Happy that I can look at Brother Terry and say, even though you beat me in golf every once in a while, I love you. Amen. And I'm not saying it because I have to. I'm saying it because I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, God, make us happy, people. Yeah. Well, but Don, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Right. My foot hurts tonight. That's no fun. Amen. You know, well, you, well, God, you don't know. Well, you don't have any idea what the person beside you is going through. But don't you think, brothers and sisters, that God wants us to be happy people? Don't you think God can put joy in our hearts? Don't you, can't you be reminded that the joy of the Lord is our strength? And it's God helping us to rise above our depression and rise above our discouragement and allow the Holy Spirit to put joy in our hearts that will make us strong for Him? I think so. I think God can give us, you know, well, we don't want our church to be too exciting. Well, I do well, but you said we were going to have 150 this morning. We didn't. I know we didn't. Don't remind me. I'm going to get sad. <laughs> but do we really have to live in the doldrums, brothers and sisters? Do we have to dwell there? Well, but it's bad. It's rough. It's I, okay. I know. But can't God put joy in our hearts? Hallelujah. He can. One of the things I loved about my granny Bates was that she was one of the most optimistic people I've ever known. I love that about her. She came to our house. We were starting to become teenagers and we'd play softball out in the front. We had a two acre uh, 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 field right in front of the house and we turned it into a ball diamond. You had to dodge some things that the horses would leave occasionally, but we played ball there, had a blast. Granny and grandpa came and we talked them in. Grandpa had a wooden leg. Somebody had to run for him, but even grandpa got out to hit the ball. And Granny was on our team. Grandpa was on Donette and Melissa's team. And, and so we're out in the field with Granny and Melissa hits the ball and she takes off running and Jeff's chasing the ball and Melissa's rounding second and my Granny, who's on my team, is standing there going, go, go, go. <laughs> I'm like, really, Granny? That's the other team. We want to win, not them. She had a smile. I, you would rarely see my Granny Bates when she did not have a smile. Right, Ronnie Romans? Amen. Constantly happy. Would sit outside and the wind would begin to blow. And she'd say, oh, I just feel God blowing in the wind. <laughs> when she had that last massive stroke and they're putting her in the ambulance and they get her to the hospital and my Aunt Pam is standing there and they're wheeling her down the, the, the hallway. She turns and looks at my aunt. She said, he's calling me and I'm going home. <laughs> you see, brothers and sisters, God can make us happy people. You don't have to live in the doldrums. Yeah, but 
that you don't know. It's in my DNA. Listen, God can give you a blood transfusion. And he can work on your DNA. And he can make you a happy person. I'm going to shut up. There's enough, I've preached way too long tonight. There's enough sadness in this world. When they come to church, they don't want to send sadness, brothers and sisters. They want to send that lady that sat in this middle uh, uh, aisle that was her middle section that was fighting cancer. And we went back and anointed her that Sunday morning. I guarantee you she didn't want to come to church and feel any negativity or sadness. No, when she left here, she felt encouraged that maybe, just maybe, God was going to help her. When people walk through these doors, I want them to sense a joy and a happiness that they're walking into a church filled with hope. That they're walking into a church that can give them a new lease on life. God, give us fresh vision of happiness. Let's stand. Well, hallelujah. I feel better.